Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. I'm standing in awe of, of his love this evening. His love is just, let me tell you something, you don't know what love is until you experience his love towards you. It, it'll just completely transform your life. And just as we were singing those songs tonight, it was just like he was just embracing me, just reminding me of how much he loves me. And you know, like, that's something I'll always say to people is if you don't know him, first of all, get to know him. Get to know his love. And then when you get to a place where you have that relationship with him, church, keep your eyes on him no matter what. Keep your gaze on Jesus because people is going to let you down. People's going to let you down, but he will never, ever let you down. And you know, that's something, (laughs) that's something that he's just been reminding me so much lately is just, you know, distractions are going to come. They're going to come and things are going to come. Circumstances are going to come. Things are going to come to try and get your eyes away from him. And when your eyes aren't on him, that's when, like Pastor Ryan was saying, that's when we tend to let our boats overflow. Just, they overflow. You know, and just I was reminded too of when he called Peter right on the water. You know, Peter had that trust. He had that faith initially when he stepped out. And then what happened? He got his eyes off Jesus and on the storm that was happening around him, and he began to sink. He began to sink. And that's really how important it is, church. If, you, if your eyes aren't on him, what's happening around you, your circumstance, they'll just overwhelm you. They'll try and overtake you and just cover you. But he just wants to cover you in his love, in his protection, in his provision. And just I just felt that so strongly this evening, just his love... It just, it sets you free. A revelation of his love just transforms your life. And you know, it's, it's, it's powerful. Amen. So I'm going to share with you tonight. Are we ready to hear some word? <laughs> I'm going to share with you tonight um, about something that God put in my heart as well. And it was, um, <clears throat> you know, as we've been talking a lot lately about faith, you know, and it just seems to be something that just, you know, it's such a popular topic and, you know, it can be ministered to so often in church and it's just, it's amazing how God just keeps showing me different angles, different angles of, of how we can stand in faith. And, you know, how many times have we been standing in faith, believing God for something, you know, standing on his word, believing for, you know, his promises or his word that he's spoken to us or whatever it may be. And you're standing on his word and your focus gets shifted because you have an, a preconception of how you think he's going to do it. Yeah. Or you think, um, no, God, maybe he's done it for you before a certain way. Maybe you've seen him do it for somebody else this way. So you're expecting it. You're expecting this him to do it this way, and we miss, we miss what he's trying to do or what he's trying to tell us in the, in the meantime. 
okay? And just where a lot of this came from, church, was I was, um, I was out for dinner last week, and it was just a comment was made, and it just got me thinking and meditating on something. And it was, the comment that was made was, you know, often we can go after the spectacular and miss the supernatural. And, you know, sometimes we're off running after the spectacular and we're missing what God's trying to tell us or what God's trying to do. Don't run after the spectacular. Just run after him. Keep your eyes on him, okay? God has already made the provision. If it's in his word or he's spoken to you about a promise, a rhema word or whatever it is, he will stand over that word to perform it. He is faithful all the time. 100% of the time he is faithful. We need to take a step and examine ourselves to ensure we're standing on the word, being fully obedient to his instructions. Because sometimes when we're over here expecting God to do something a certain way or over here looking for the supernatural or for the spectacular, we're missing the instructions that he's given us. And sometimes that can be something very simple or something that we don't consider important. So we just ignore it or put it to one side. He doesn't always do it the way we imagine or the way he's done it before. But if we continue to act on what he said to do, being fully persuaded with zero doubt, not 99.9% faith, 0.1% doubt, no doubt, fully persuaded in his word, fully persuaded in what he told us to do, we will see it come to pass. Obedience, church. Obedience is often overlooked. And then when something comes knocking or, you know, we have a suddenly or a circumstance or is, comes along, we're like, we wonder, where, why, God, are you letting this happen? Why, how, come I, how come this is happening to me? Where are you, God? We blame God and we wonder why it's happening to us. Sometimes when we trust in God for something, he will give us instructions to do something that seems so normal. So we tend to ignore it. He could give us, maybe his instruction might sound strange or pointless. So again, we dismiss it. We're like, we either, we're not listening. And, and church, everything I'm going to say tonight, you need to settle some things first. And what, the first one you need to settle is you need to be able to hear from God. You need to be, you need to be sensitive to his voice. You need to be in his word. You need to be in your quiet time, in seeking after him so you can hear his voice. So when he gives you an instruction, that you're able to hear it, that you're able to know that it's him, okay? So that's, that's first and foremost. That's foundational. You know, maybe his instruction might sound strange or pointless, so again, we ignore it. What he's telling you to do may even seem like it's beyond your ability or it's, you know, something that, you can't do. And I spoke about that uh, briefly a few Sundays ago about how if God tells you to do something, he's given you the ability to do it. And he's going to equip you to do it. He's not calling you to do it because you're great in yourself at one particular thing. He will call you and he'll equip you and he'll give you the ability. It's his ability through you. Okay? 
Sometimes we might think that it might make us feel uncomfortable, an instruction from God, or if he's telling us to do something. It might make us feel uncomfortable, or it might make somebody else feel uncomfortable, so we tend, we got right, Lord, maybe I'll just do that later on. Faith is standing firm through every instruction and through every trial, continually seeking the Lord and obeying his voice continually seeking the word and obeying his voice. Church, you can't have effective faith without obedience. Obedience to his, to his word, first of all, because in order to stand in faith on what his word says, you have to know his word, and then you have to obey his word. You have to obey it. Regardless of what's coming, obey his word. And I just want to read um, a verse to, to start off, and it's in Luke chapter 11. In verse 28. And it's, it just says, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Who's blessed in here this evening? Who's blessed because they obey the word, they stand in the word, and they do what God is telling them to do. Okay? They do what God's telling them to do. Church, it might not be the same as what he's telling the person sitting beside you. Or it may not be the same as what he told you to do before. But it's not our job to decide what we think is best. We either say we trust him in God for 100% or we want to do things kind of our way 10% of the time. And there's, there's no, we can't negotiate these things. If he tells you to do something, do it and just obey him, regardless of whether you think it's right or not. God has already made the provision. He blessed us with every spiritual breath, every spiritual blessing, and we receive, we receive from him by faith. When we obey his word and what he tells us to do, his blessings will flow in your life. You know, church, God never withholds anything. God isn't withholding anything. He's not sitting up there thinking, no, I'm just going to hold on to this until, you know, they pray enough today and then I'm just going to, release it on them. God's not withholding anything from you, but it's us that limits ourselves from receiving from him. We limit ourselves from receiving from him. One way we can do that is by dismissing his instructions, by not listening to him, by not being obedient to what he's telling us to do, okay? I want to take a look at a few examples in the word, and you know, church, <laughs> A couple of these, I don't know, I guarantee I'm not going to get through them all tonight. And each one of these examples, you, you could literally spend a week on each one of them. But I just want to try and get through, and maybe I'll circle back again, I don't know. But I just want to get through them because I just want to paint a picture of something tonight about how when you're standing in faith for something, you need to, first of all, obey what he's telling you to do. And second of all, you need to realize that it's not always going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. So stop looking for the spectacular. Stop looking for what you think is he's going to do something and just press into him. Listen to his word. Listen to his voice. The few examples that, I'm, I, that, I, that I've picked out tonight, you know, God gave an instruction that might not have made a lot of sense or might have seemed pointless or natural, okay? But what he was looking for was obedience and faith. For these people to trust him so that he could then pour out his blessing and provision. 
but they had to do their part first. They had to act on the faith and the trust that they'd placed on him. Every, like we say, faith will always produce an action. So on the back of that faith and on the back of that believing in what he said, they acted. They did something and then it happened. He was able to release his provision on them. So the first one I want to look at is in John chapter 2, if you want to turn there. And this is the wedding in Cana when Jesus turned the water to wine. And, you know, it's a, it's a powerful account, and I just want to read through some of it here, and I'll just pick out the parts that I want to share. Verse 1, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, and just look at this part. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six water parts of stone containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Okay? Now, when we think about it, this instruction from Jesus to these servants, okay, it did not seem logical. It did not seem like it made a lot of sense. He was telling them to fill these water pots with water. Okay? Now, church, just, just bear with me a second. Think about those times when he gave you an instruction. Okay? And, or to do something, and you thought, oh, I'm, really? Is that, is that really what I should be doing? Sure, I can't do that because blah, blah, blah. And then you list off your excuses of why you can't do it. And then you wonder why you're hitting that wall. And it's because we're not being obedient to what he's telling us to do. It was pretty far out there for him to tell them this. He told them to fill the water pots with water and serve them to the people. Who would have the boldness and the faith to do this? And church, these were servants. Like... This, this was going to the master of the feast, who was more than likely their boss or whatever. Like, they would have been in big trouble if they, if they hadn't have believed what Jesus was telling them. They were about to serve water to, at the wedding, okay? Mary said to them, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And I love this. What a powerful verse. That just goes to show whatever he tells you to do, do it. We need to apply these words to our lives. And in other words, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if it makes me look silly. You have to be prepared to be a fool for Christ. Because sometimes we're too embarrassed to make a show of ourselves that we don't obey his instruction. Okay, you have to be prepared to look like a fool. All right? It, It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter if it sounds ridiculous. I'm just going to obey his instruction. 
What a supernatural miracle Jesus performed here, church. But it wasn't quite spectacular, okay? It wasn't quite spectacular. Jesus could have well, like, literally, you know, touched those water pots and just, like, they could have visibly just turned to wine in front of those servants. But see, he was trying to get them to trust in what he's telling, what I'm going to tell you to do. You have to do your part. So they had to trust in him to go and fill these water pots with water. And I'm sure when they were filling them, they were probably thinking, oh, I really hope this works. Like, I really hope this works. (laughs) Notice how Jesus' provision first required an action from the servants. This is the way our faith works. We have to act on it. They had to trust in what he told them to do, even if it sounded ridiculous. I wonder when Mary told them to listen to Jesus, were they expecting something extravagant to happen? Were were they they looking for something, and listen to this, were they looking for something that took the responsibility off them? Because Jesus told them to fill the water pots with water. They were doing it. Were they just expecting Jesus to just roll in and just go bump, 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 there you go, there's the wine. And they didn't have to do anything. They could just sit back and watch it. And a lot of times, that's what we want. We're waiting for something to fall in our laps. We're waiting for something, Jesus, to come in and do everything for us and while we sit there and just receive it. You know, and church, Jesus has already done everything for us. We have to to do our part and act on his word, act on what he told us to do and obey him and obey him. Imagine if those servants had have shrugged this request off and ignored it. Imagine, church, it would have been pretty disastrous and they would have missed their miracle. They would have missed it. And just just remember this, okay? Sometimes your supernatural breakthrough is right behind your obedience to his natural instruction. Sometimes your supernatural breakthrough is right behind your obedience to his natural instruction. And what I mean by that is by something that he may be telling you to do that you don't think is important or that you don't think is necessary. He's telling you to do something in the natural and you think, no, Lord, I'm just, that's not what I'm expecting you to to do for me, so I'm not going to do it. God knows we're limited in the natural state. He isn't going to give us an instruction that we can't do or that's beyond our ability. He doesn't expect us to be God. He's God, church. He's God in our lives. He just wants our obedient response in faith so that he can add his super to our natural. He wants to add his super to our natural. What I love about this account is how it tells us that the miracle that Jesus performed by turning the water into wine, church, it was better than the original wine they were serving. Jesus goes above and beyond, exceedingly abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. He doesn't do anything by halves, church. He gives us the whole pie. He gives us the whole pie. The master master of the feast called the bridegroom and commended him for it. It happened because in obedience, the servants listened to what Jesus told them to do. And not only did he provide but he went over and beyond what they had before. This is what he wants to do for you. 
And we sometimes miss it because we're failing to do what he simply asked us to do. And that's what, that's what happens, church. Um, let's look at another one in um, Mark chapter 6. And this is um, where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And again, it's a very popular story. I'm not going to get into maybe all the notes that I have because I want to get through some of the other ones. But um, the... So I'll just, I'll just read parts of it and then I'll point out what I want to show. Okay, so Mark 6 and take it from verse 34. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and buy themselves bread for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Then, or, and when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups in the green grass. So this is all these instructions that Jesus has given before the miracle takes place. Okay, So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties, and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. Once again, church, these instructions from Jesus to his disciples did not seem logical or realistic. And first of all, let me point out something. Um, Jesus, what was, what was the first thing Jesus said to them when they said, what are we going to do with all these people? You give them something to eat. That was their first opportunity to obey. That was their first, effort, that was their first chance to step out in faith. They've, they were following Jesus. They seen what he was doing. They seen the stuff that he was doing. And Jesus was saying, you give them something to eat. But they missed their first opportunity. Okay, and then Jesus continued to give them instructions. So they, he said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Now, church, they would have seen, just, we hear this story so often. Like, I grew up hearing this story so often in Sunday schools. And, you know, it's, so, it's such a powerful portion of Scripture, and it's popular. And sometimes when we hear something over and over and over again, we just, we don't kind of look at, look at the detail of it. Right? These were thousands of people. Thousands. 5,000 men, which means that women and children was even more. Okay? So there were so many people. And the disciples knew that they had no food. So when Jesus was telling them to go and check, they were probably going, I am wasting my time going to check. Like they might have been thinking in their heads, how are we going to do this? Like, is this stuff sounding familiar that when we're standing in faith for something and Jesus tells you to do something, you're like, this is a waste of time. And we're just like, he's telling you to do something that might sound so simple, like, why don't you go over and chat to that person that you haven't been speaking to? Why don't you go over and 
love on that person or ask for forgiveness on that person. Maybe there's something in your heart that he's dealing with you on and that's hindering what he's trying to pour out in your life. And we think it makes us feel uncomfortable, it's going to make them feel uncomfortable, it's going to make me look silly, it'll, it'll just, no, I'm not going to do it, Lord. And we just go round in circles, round in circles, and then we're wondering, God, why is this not happening for me? And we're not obeying his instruction. We're not obeying his instruction. Go and see, he said. When he told them that the multitude wouldn't have to go away, he said, you give them something to eat. So first of all, you know, and I'm sure they didn't know what to think at that stage. They, they thought, when he said, we're going to feed these people, they first thought, we're going to go and buy the bread. Okay, they, they, they just missed it. They weren't, in, they weren't in tune with what Jesus was trying to show them. The instructions that Jesus gave afterwards required obedience from the disciples. They had to obey what Jesus was telling them to do, even if they thought, this sounds ridiculous. How are we going to feed all these people? He told them to go and see that they had, what they had and bring it to him. And then he told them to all sit down in groups. Church, can you imagine how long it takes to get five, over 5,000 people sitting down in ranks of 50s and 100s? It's not like I'm getting you all to sit down here now and I'm going to pass it out to you. This was thousands of people. And I, when I was looking at this, I, I couldn't help but wonder, as they were doing it, I'm sure there was thoughts in their head thinking, this has taken us so long to do this. Organize all these people. Like, I'm sure they had an element of trust in Jesus. They had to have. But I'm saying, these thoughts would have been coming. Like, how are we going to do this? And sometimes we can't be bothered doing, doing things that's going to put us out so we just don't do it. And then, again, we're limiting what he can do for us. Okay? They could have been looking at the throngs of people all around them and said, this is a total waste of time. We would never have enough to feed all these people. When Jesus gave thanks for what they had and blessed it, he gave it to the disciples to hand out. Again, this was another opportunity for them to doubt and refuse. They were probably like, how is this going to stretch to all these people? How is this? They had to walk around all these groups of people, church, and give them this. And Jesus was performing a supernatural miracle, okay? Jesus didn't go the spectacular and, you know, at the click of his fingers and everybody had food in their hands. He was making them act do something. Go hand it out. Obey my instructions. Okay? They did what Jesus asked them to do, and all the people ate and were filled. And in fact, once again, just like the provision at Cana, he provided above and beyond because there was 12 leftover baskets of fragments tucked up. So there wasn't just enough that people, you know, ate, and I'm still a bit peckish, people got over, they were overflowing, and there was leftovers. Church, he wants to pour out so much on you that there's going to be leftovers. Okay, so don't stop what he's trying to do by failing to obey him. 
and, and in, the little, in the steps leading up to it, in the in-between, expecting him to do everything. He wants to add his super to your natural. It required an obedience and faith from these disciples to do what Jesus asked them to do. They had to be prepared to listen to his voice no matter what it looked like. And, you know, as I was reading through this account, I began to meditate on it. And I thought about how easy it can be for us to get distracted. And that's just like what I was saying at the beginning. Getting distracted. They could have looked at all those throngs of people and been like, been put off just by what they could see. Don't be put off by what you can see. Listen to his voice and follow through. Act on what he's telling you to do. He won't, if he told you to do a church, he won't let you down. He's not going to leave you high and dry. They would have had to keep their eyes on Jesus or else they would have allowed doubt or unbelief to stop them from doing what he asked them to do. You know, we have a job, church, that's similar to the disciples that day. It's a similar job. We have to feed the multitudes with his word. We have to feed the multitudes with the word. We have to introduce people to the bread of life. We have to give it out to the multitudes. We'll have plenty of opportunities to get sidetracked or distracted. But if we keep our eyes on him and listen to his voice, we'll stay on the right path. Look what was on the back of this simple obedience. A supernatural miracle was on the back of this simple obedience. Let's look at another one in uh, Luke chapter 5. In verse 4. So, Peter and, and, and some of the boys were just out all night fishing, okay? And they caught nothing. So, this is where we're kind of picking up on this. So, Luke chapter 5, verse 4 to 7. When he had stopped speaking, which was Jesus, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. The first one. That's what he told him to do. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, church, at your word, I will let down the net. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, both boats, so that they began to sink. This account has so many things packed in it, and I just love, I love what we can take from it. Jesus' instruction, once again, would have seemed like a total waste of time to Peter. Like a total waste of time. They had fished all night and caught nothing. And you know, church, it, this is an, another important thing to note about this, about this miracle. They fished at night because it was a lot easier to catch them at night. They were a lot harder to catch during the day. So now Jesus was telling them after they'd done it all night when you're supposed to do it and caught nothing, now he was telling them, put down your nets during the day where it's going to be even harder to catch fish. At the beginning of this chapter in verse 2, it tells us that they were washing their nets so that they were preparing to come in for the day. 
They had their nets all washed. And then Jesus said, put them back in. Put them back in. Now, church, that, is that annoying? Is that annoying? Jesus was asking them to put their nets back into the water again after they'd washed it. Probably not what they wanted to hear, let me tell you. But Peter said, and we have to be prepared to say this, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. This was his obedience and faith. We need to learn to take him at his word and trust his word at all times. Just like these fishermen, church, we can be doing something over and over and over again like they were fishing all night long and they got tired and they got frustrated and they got exhausted and nothing was happening and they were probably just like, oh, that's it. Morning came, wash the nets and let's go. And if that was you and somebody was saying, put them back in again, you'd be like, yeah, right. I'm going home to eat my breakfast, okay? We can get frustrated because we feel like we're not getting anywhere. But let me tell you, if he tells you to keep going, if he tells you to try again, keep going and try again. And this is what I said about you need to be sensitive to his voice. You need to be intimate with him and keep in that relationship with him. Keep in that secret place that you're continually communing with him. That he told you to do something and you're, you're talking about it with him. Lord, is this still what you want me to do? Is this still what you want me to do, Lord? Is this still what you want me to do? Yes, I want you to keep doing that. I want you to keep doing that. I want you to keep doing that. He's not going to get you to keep doing it if he, if, it's, if, if he doesn't want you to do it. If you're not going to get anything out of it, he's not going to keep telling you to do it. He wants to teach us something. Teach us something. Teach us how to stand in faith. Jesus once again used Peter's action in the natural to make a supernatural provision. What had to happen first? His obedience. His action on what he said gave them the breakthrough. Jesus provided over and beyond to the point that the net was breaking. Again, over and beyond. Not just one or two fish, church. The net was breaking. That they had to call for help. And they filled two boats after went going all night without catching anything. We need to be sensitive to his voice and what he's leading us to do. It could seem so small, church, or it could seem insignificant. It might even, it might even put you out. <laughs> it might even get you annoyed, get you frustrated about doing something that you really don't want to do in the flesh. But he's trying to teach you something. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore his voice. It's the very thing that will bring the breakthrough. We don't need to question these things. We just need to obey and take him at his word. And take him at his word. In 2 Kings chapter 5, we know the story of Naaman and he was a leper. Okay? He was commander of the army of the king of Syria. He was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. When he was told that there was a man that he could go and see that could show him how to get healed of his leprosy, which was Elisha, he went and asked his, his, the king, can I go? Can I go and see him? And he said, yes, I'm going to write a letter to the king of Israel. Off you go. So Naaman went off in his pursuit to find Elisha. And I just want to read this really quickly to you. In 1 Kings chapter 5, 
And I'll just read from verse 9. It says, Then Naaman went with his horses and his chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal my leprosy. That's what Naaman wanted to happen and what he was expecting to happen. And church, he very nearly missed his miracle because he had a preconceived idea of how he should be doing it. And he nearly didn't obey to what he told him to do. He was furious because, first of all, Elisha didn't even come and see him himself. He sent a messenger. So that would have irritated him. Okay? And then the, the messenger told him, go and dip in the Jordan seven times. He was like, the cheek of this guy to tell me to do this. The rivers where I come from are far better and far cleaner. Why would I go and dip in that filthy river? How many times do we think we know better? Lord, why would I do that? Because that's not going to help. And church, you might think, I'd never say that to God. But in, I'm telling you, in your ignoring him, that's effectively what you're saying. That's right. I'm not going to do that, Lord, now, because I don't think that's going to work now. Or either that or you're just refusing to do it because it's going to put you out or make you feel uncomfortable. Naaman was waiting for the spectacular. He went on to say that the rivers where he was from was better. Why did I come all this way for you to give me such a pointless instruction? He was probably saying. His prideful response could have stopped him from receiving his healing. He thought he knew better. Naaman's servants convinced him to do what Elisha said, and we can see in verse 14, he went and dipped in the Jordan seven times and was healed of his leprosy. How many times have we been waiting for the spectacular and we've missed what God was trying to get us to do? Naaman's servant said, if the prophet had told you to do something great, you would have done it. How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? If he had have told him to do something spectacular or something amazing or something that was going to take his breath away or whatever, he would have obliged much quicker. The instruction sounded odd and a bit ridiculous. <laughs> so he nearly missed Nearly missed on what on, on, on his healing, but his eventual obedience brought his supernatural miracle. And church, I just have one more example, okay? And that's in um, back one chapter in Second Kings chapter four. And this was the widow, the widow with the with the jars of oil. This is powerful. I want to show you this. Second Kings chapter four and verse one. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house, church? What has God already given you that he wants to use? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in this house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. 
do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, pour it into all of these vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came in and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt and you and your sons live off the rest. This widow's act of obedience caused her to fill every vessel with oil that her sons brought her until there was no vessels left to be got. Now, imagine they had a look at the natural church. They knew, she knew how much oil she had. And here was Elisha saying, go and get all of these. Go and get all of these empty vessels. Again, act, you have to act. Producing the action. Now, people would have thought she looked silly. I'm sure people would have known her, what, that her husband had died. They would have known that she had nothing. And they're coming looking, I need empty vessels because I'm going to fill it with oil. Again, you need to be prepared to not care what people say. If God tells you to do something, follow through with it. People, you're going to have naysayers. You're going to have people that try and put you off. If you listen to people's opinions, you won't do what God's telling you to do. Don't listen to anybody else if it's contrary to what God's telling you to do. Listen to him. Imagine they had a look at the natural and only brought back one or two vessels. Well, right, well, I'll... How many times do we obey halfway? We go and do what God tells us to do and we get so far and we're like, right, at least I've done And it's nearly like, all right, God, we've done you a favor now. Well, I've done it, but you didn't really do it the way he said to do it. Because see, Elisha said, go and get a lot of vessels, not a few. And see, if she was focused on the natural she, her, and she was telling her sons, right, maybe just go get one or two because sure, look, we only have this much oil. And even at that, this is going to be a miracle because he's not even going to fill one. No, church, she'd done what he told her to do. She'd done what he told her to do. If she had have only collected one or two jars, that's all she would have had. That's all she would have had. And sometimes we limit, we stop what God can do because we, we won't do our part. We won't obey, so we only go and get one or two jars. And it's like, right, we're limiting what he can do for us. How many times do we limit God by only obeying halfway? We start out doing what he said, but we get distracted. We get put off by people's opinions, what it looks like. Follow through on the instruction. Elisha's instruction was to gather a lot of vessels. And this is what they've done. To the point that she was looking for more. She was like, this oil isn't running out. I'm after filling so all of these vessels. Go get me more. And the son says, there is no more. There is no more vessels. The oil supply was supernaturally provided after they obeyed and believed on what the man of God was telling them to do. Again, a common theme in all of these accounts, church, was their active responses came first. Their active responses came first. They had to produce an action through their obedience and faith. Their supernatural was on the back of their simple obedience in the natural. It's not always going to be spectacular. Sometimes it will, it will be. It's not always going to be spectacular. Don't be looking for the spectacular all the time and miss what God's trying to do for you. 
But when we take him at his word, he'll add his super to our natural and we'll receive what we're standing or believing for. This widow had the oil in her house the whole time. The same oil that Elisha used, that she had it in her oil the whole time, in her house the whole time. It was already the, already the air. God used what she already had to give her a miracle. Many times we're waiting for something to fall in our laps or for God to snap his fingers and make something appear. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. We're always on the hunt for the spectacular and we miss what God has already placed in our hands. He just wants us to be faithful with what he's already given us and trust in him to make the provision. Trust in him to make the provision. So what lesson can we take from from these accounts that I read tonight, church? God doesn't always do things the way we want. God doesn't always do things the way we imagine or envision or the way we expect him to. Okay? See, it's important to expect. It's important to have an expectation that he will provide. But don't start thinking things up here and expect God to do his thing a certain way. And then when it's not going that direction, you let doubt and unbelief come in. Because you're missing it. You're missing what God's trying to do. He may give you strange instructions that we might not always make sense or understand, but trust him, obey his voice, and take that step of faith. He knows better than we do. Don't allow your disobedience to become a hindrance. Don't, because it, it's a hindrance to your faith, a major hindrance. So obey his voice and listen to what he's telling you to do. Amen? Are we good? Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you. We thank you, Father Lord, for an opportunity to come into your presence, to feel your love, Father Lord, to feel your embrace, to feel your comfort. Lord, we love you tonight. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you and glorify you, Father. Thank you, Father, for coming to spend the evening with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and dwelling this place. I thank you, Father Lord, for the word that went forth, Lord, that it'll be like seeds planted in these people's hearts, Lord that's here tonight, that's listening on podcasts, that's listening later on, Father Lord, that your word does not return void, but these seeds will be planted in good ground and producing fruit, Father. I thank you, Lord, for it. I praise you, Lord. I thank you for your protection on us as we go about our week. I thank you, Father Lord, that your hand is upon us. Your angels are protecting us, taking charge over us everywhere we go. I thank you, Father Lord, that you help us keep our eyes on you. Oh, Father, Lord, that we don't get distracted by silly things, distracted by, by other people, Father, and, and, and what they're doing. But, Father, we keep our eyes on you and our gaze on you because that's where our encouragement is. That's where our, our source of strength and our source of... You are our source for everything. So, Father, Lord, help us keep our gaze and our focus on you. Help us, Father, Lord, walk in love towards one another. Lord, so people will be able to see you in us, that they'll know the difference that's in us, that we're not, I thank you for unity in this place, unity, Father, amongst your people, unity in the body of Christ as a a whole. Father, Lord, that people will see something in us that they want, that they'll see the love of God that we have towards one another and that the faith that we have towards you, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you help us be, be ambassadors for you, that you help us, Father, walk in the ways that that you walk in. And I thank you, Father Lord, that here at this church, we are covered by your blood, we're empowered by your word, and we're anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen.
are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie